This podcast is brought to you by the Trillium Awakening Teachers Circle. To find out more about how to grasp the means of your own awakening, visit our website at www.trilliumawakening.org. Today I want to talk about trust in being and um, kind of give you a larger perspective of what this work is all about. Okay? And I'm just going to start with a quote that I found years ago and I've actually brought to the deep dive because for me it expresses my own um, connection to this work. When all is said and done, the fundamental need of our time, the precondition of creating a peaceful and sustainable world, is the spread of a new and more evolutionary adaptive consciousness, a consciousness of oneness and belonging. Right? Belonging, yeah. When all is said and done, the fundamental need of our time, the precondition of creating a peaceful and sustainable world, is the spread of a new and more evolutionarily adaptive consciousness, a consciousness of oneness and belonging. And when I found this, I don't even remember where, someplace on the internet, God knows where. It just struck me that I've known this almost my whole life. Even as a child, I knew somehow that this was something that I wanted to participate in and um, be a part of. You know, I think I knew I had to grow this in myself first before I could bring it into the world. But it touched a very deep soul part of me, you know, and it's kind of been this kind of guiding um, wisdom, I think, that has has sustained me for a long, long time. So, why is trust in being the f part of the fulfillment of psychotherapy? That's really what I want to talk about. Why is trust in being, you know, what's the relationship? And why would I consider trust in being as the fulfillment of psychotherapy? So I think I touched on this briefly yesterday when I talked about Abraham Maslow, right? With a hierarchy of needs, and we all learn that self-actualization is the highest need. And later on, he discovered that self-actualization was actually not the highest uh, piece, not the highest need, that people who are self-actualized start to have this feeling, is that all there is, there must be more? And he added self-transcendence above that as the highest human need. Well, I think that's pretty significant. I think it's pretty significant that what he's pointing to is that human development needs to go past self-actualization into self-transcendence. And self-transcendence is essentially saying 
to um, move into an awareness of something larger than ourselves, right? And um, from a psychological point of view, we need a good, strong ego, you know? We need to go through the phases and development of a good, strong ego before we can transcend it. You can't transcend an ego you don't have, right? So the ego development piece is really, really important. It's, it's the foundation for self-transcendence. And if you try to do it differently, it doesn't work very well. If you try to go into self-transcendence without doing your ego development work or your shadow work, it doesn't work very well because it's almost like the foundation isn't as strong, right? For you to hold and sustain what's required for self-transcendence, for letting go, right? So that's, that's a piece of it. Now, um, <clears throat> I think we're involved in something quite profound. And this actually became clear to me. I, I started reading a book by Philip Shepard. Anybody know who Philip Shepard is? Any chance? He wrote a book called Radical Wholeness. And he leads workshops around the country um, around embodiment, right? This book, Radical Wholeness, really clarified for me what this trillion work is all about. Because he languages and puts into a perspective about what is taking place. So this is a story that he tells, right? That is a true story for him. Um, when he was in his 20s, he decided to go to Europe, buy a bicycle, and bicycle his way through Europe, the Middle East, Asia, into Japan. Took him two years. Um, he is Canadian, right? So he went and he experienced all these different cultures throughout the world. What he says is he didn't realize until he got back to Canada the impact of his own culture was on him. And he calls it the cultural story, that every culture has a story. But the story is completely invisible to us because we've grown up in it. We're not even aware of how the story is impacting. And very often, we're not even aware of what the story is. But after visiting all these cultures and experiencing them, he got back to Canada, and he realized <coughs> what his cultural story was, what the Western cultural story was, and the impact it had on him. Okay, So this is what... He says, so here is a, and in uh, Trillium, we call this the hypermasculine dissociation. Basically, it's a similar thing, right? But here's a, a, a description of the Western cultural story. Humans stand independent of nature, right? The head should be in charge of the body and everything else. Right? That, that's part of our cultural story. We can own trees, land, and animals. Right? So there's a, an ownership 
peace around it. You know, we can own our property and protect it and keep it you know, safe, all this stuff. The self lies within the boundary of the skin. The pursuit of happiness is the primary goal of our lives. It's almost like we have a mandate that we should be happy, right? And money buys security. Right? These are all, this is all paradigms that we've, we, we've grown up in, right? And what he talks about is how this paradigm, this cultural paradigm that we're experiencing, I mean, we're living in it every single day, you know, has come to a place in our lives and in this culture where it's really starting to cause enormous problems with the environment, with uh, political, with the environment, uh, economic, enormous. This paradigm really doesn't work anymore. It's really failing. Not to say that it wasn't necessary along the way, that it wasn't important for growth, but what we're discovering at this point in time is that it's really becoming hugely problematic, right? It just doesn't work. So what we're involved in here as teachers and participants of Trillium, we're actually involved in bringing in a completely different paradigm, right? This transmission that we're experiencing and transmitting with each other, from this point of view, is pretty extraordinary. That this transmission has the capability of shifting a cultural paradigm into a completely different paradigm, right? And to think of it from that point of view is pretty amazing, okay? Um, so this brings me to whole, be whole being realization, right? So when we do this work and we experience the transmission, we go through the ride and we start to drop into our bodies and we start to land in different ways, we start to release whatever is preventing us from being embodied and we open to consciousness and we allow that expansion and that experience to happen. This is a shifting of this old paradigm into a new paradigm. Because what's taking place is, and people experience this when they have this experience of whole being realization, is that things start to drop. Things start, the, it's almost like the center of our awareness moves from our head down into our body. And I would offer that that continues to happen as this awakening, this embodied awakening, gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Now, it doesn't just shift into our body. It actually shifts into uh, our being, right? Something even larger than that starts to, starts to take place, right? Now, Philip Shepard talks about um, we actually have three different brains. There's the mental brain, there's the heart brain, and there's the gut brain. 
interesting, right? And, the, and each has its own wisdom. It's not one is better than the other or blah, blah, blah. But each has their own wisdom, right? So the head brain we, we know a lot about. It analyzes, compares. It basically drives us crazy because it, we're trying to use it as a compass for our lives. It was never intended that way. Because it all does, it compares, it judges, it analyzes, it helps to sort things out. But it's really not a great compass when you think about it, right? We have the heart brain, right? The heart brain kind of speaks to um, the emotional, it speaks to something larger, you know, the source of uh, feminine wisdom and relational wisdom. Beautiful. But when you think about the gut brain, right? And we've become very desensitized to the gut brain. We don't really work with it well that often. The gut, you know, when we say, trust your gut. You know, this is what my gut is telling me, right? There's, there's some wisdom there that is really important to listen to. So to really begin to become more sensitive to our gut instincts, our gut brain, or our intuition, is starting to bring things back into balance again between these three centers of wisdom, right? Philip Shepard even says that the gut brain should be the primary brain and that the head and the heart should be secondary to the gut brain, that the gut should be driving the bus yeah, and the other two are more passengers in that sense, right? Unfortunately, our head brain has been driving the, bra has been driving the bus for a long, long time, right? Okay, um, so whole being realization is a way of starting to move into a different paradigm and a different experience of reality. Interesting. When we move into whole being realization, we're actually moving more from a known sense, because the head wants to know everything, to a felt sense, right? So to, to feel our way into the world, to feel our connection, to feel the embodied wisdom, is this new paradigm, is this new reality that we're starting to bring into our own lives and bring into other people's lives. Right? It's a different reality. It's a different way of being in the world. And ultimately, you know, I'm still in process with this whole thing, but ultimately I really expect that as I keep working in this way, as I you know, keep my own awakening process going, I'm expecting that I'm going to more and more and more be in the felt present. Just being in the felt present. And that's going to feel very satisfying and fulfilling and complete and very engaging because I'm in the felt present. I'm not in my head trying to figure things out. I'm actually much more available and connected to whatever's happening around me, whether it's relational, whether it's environmental, but I think this is what they're talking about. 
the adaptive consciousness of oneness and belonging. It comes from this place of felt presence. It doesn't come from our heads. Right? So trust in being is actually an extension or an enlargement of that. Right? Because trust in being, it's not just head, it's not just body, it's not just heart. It's actually something larger now. Right? It's almost like the whole is more than the sum of the parts. So the head's apart, the body's apart, the heart is apart, you know, consciousness is apart. But trust being is something larger than that. Right? Now I'm aware or have a sense of a connection to something larger than all those that is navigating my life. How great is that? How did we land on something so powerful that we're involved in shifting everything into this brand new paradigm? I think it's amazing. So here's some qualities. Some qualities of being. Being feels the world intimately. Feels the world intimately. Doesn't know the world intimately, right? Knowing is very limited. But being feels the world intimately, right? It thinks in sensations. Being thinks in sensations. It attunes to relationships, right? And I, I love that expression. It attunes to relationship because every time you meet somebody, it's a, it's a different experience. It's a different vibration. So you have to attune to this experience with this person, right? It's not a known quantity. It's not, you know, you can't package it. I think the head tries to do that, tries to label and box and make this into something known. But that's not real. But, the, but tuning into relationships, what a beautiful way to really express what is true here when we meet people and we spend time with people. Being is devoted to integration. It's devoted to integration. So it's willing to take different threads or even disparate experiences and find wholeness from them some way, to integrate them into some experience of wholeness. It rests in harmony. It feels organic flow. Um, this is enough. For being, this is enough. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, all is well. This is enough. It's so funny. On my phone, I have an app called Lookout, which is like a security app. And every time I turn the phone on, it scans my phone, and I guess it's looking for viruses, or I don't know what it's looking for. But it always puts a message. It says, it is okay. <laughs> 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 and 
And every time I see this, it's so, it's, it's oddly <laughs> reassuring to me. <laughs> Just says, it is okay. It's like, oh, thank you. It's the best, the best app I have on this, on this, on this phone. <laughs> Being is open to mystery. It's open to not knowing, right? That's how being is, right? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Reactions to this? Anybody have any reactions or thoughts about this as we talk about this? Mm. Can you relate to it for yourself? In terms, of, in terms of moving or feeling that quality getting stronger? In this work? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So there's, there's almost like a comfort, like a reassurance. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. From the micro, here we're talking about to the bigger, how do we shift out? Yeah. Ourselves, transcending the ego, transcending the culture to this bigger paradigm of resting in full expansiveness. Yes. Yeah, it does, right? Yeah, it really does. It's like we're rediscovering what is actually true, a true reality as opposed to this reality we were given by the culture, which it's familiar, but it doesn't ring true ultimately, right? Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> it's imaginative now, That's beautiful. Yeah, how reassuring. All is well. <laughs> yeah, it's such a simple, powerful reminder, right? Yeah, 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 and um, you know th that might be a, your expression, you know, your unique expression of your way in the world. I don't know, and may and who knows? Maybe that'll shift, you know. Yeah, but thank you, thank you for. Absolutely. And it's almost like, you know, personally, we, we, we have uh, crisis points where the ego, something, it doesn't hold 
Yes, and yes, I, and yes. In a sense, I think that's what's happening culturally in this country. It's mm. like the ego starting to break down uh, everything that's going on. Yes. Like it's, it's reached its point of uh, potential. And um, from that point, perhaps uh, it'll mirror what's going on with all of us personally. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a real kind of cultural meltdown happening, right? And out of that, you know, hopefully the phoenix will rise. <laughs> out of that mess, something will rise. And I honestly believe we are ushering in something larger. I think that's what we're doing. You know, we're bringing in a different energetic, a different consciousness, you know, that is part of this new paradigm that is taking effect, that really needs to. Yeah, yes, in a really important way, I would say, right? And just making it possible and bringing it along. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from the Trillium Awakening Teacher Circle. The musical accompaniment is Awaken by Wayne Kington. To learn more about Wayne and his music, visit www.waynejosephkington.com.